Hi, I'm Abby Ellsworth. I'm a civilian interviewing law enforcement from around the country. My goal is to tell the real stories of law enforcement, the ones that don't make the news. Today, I am welcoming a very special guest. He is 14 years old. His name is Tyler. He lives in the Midwest. And he reached out to me on email with a very important message about wanting to be a police officer. First, Tyler, let me welcome you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be on. I love listening to your podcast. That's all you have to say to get on my podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I really appreciate that. What do you love about it? I like hearing the stories, like you say, that don't make the news. I like hearing the good stories about law enforcement because I feel like on the news and the media, all you hear is what law enforcement did wrong. And it's really negative. And considering that I do want to go into law enforcement, I think it's it's good to hear the positive stories. It feels good to hear the viewpoints of people who appreciate law enforcement. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's my goal. People probably listening have not been in eighth grade or high school for a long time. So you're <laughs> you're just starting high school next week, right? Is your first day of school? Yes. Next next Wednesday is my first day of school. Yeah. And you and I have been corresponding. I know that I do want to say right at the top that I did get permission from your mom for you to be here. And I also know that, you, that you're in band. Um, currently, because there's different seasons, I'm in marching band. Yeah. Right, right, right. For football. Mm-hmm. And you and you play the? I play the clarinet. Okay. Um, in marching band, you would see us like, tomorrow I'm going to be at the fair. You see us at football games. But in concert band, usually we're in an area designated for a band, and then you come to us and we play for you and we're sitting down. So in concert band, I play the bass clarinet, and basically it it's way bigger and it's pretty much the same thing except every note comes out an octave lower, but it's not considered a marching instrument. So when I'm in marching band, I have to go up to the regular clarinet. So that sounds like you have some talent. You also said mentioned theater? Yes. uh, In eighth grade, I was in the middle school drama production. It was actually Rock and Robin Hood. I would have done it sooner, but eighth grade was the first year they reopened drama to us because of COVID. So you've mentioned band, you've mentioned theater, anything else that uh, you're into there in school? For seventh and eighth grade, I was on the student council. Really, it wasn't as structured as I thought it would be. It's basically just a bunch of kids who are student council members voting on things. Now in the high school, which is where I'm going next, it is more structured, so we do, like, we have a president, we have a vice president, a secretary, a treasurer. I did win vice president, so I am the vice president of my freshman class. Well, that's awesome. Good for you. That all sounds very fun and very impressive. We should share how you got to this point. So let me read a little from your email to set it up, and then we'll talk about it. You wrote to me and said, Dear Abby, I'm a 14-year-old boy from the Midwest. I absolutely love listening to your podcast. I plan one day to be a police officer. I was hoping you could share my story on your podcast. Last year in eighth grade, we had a mandatory project. 
All of the eighth graders had to job shadow a profession that they were interested in. I ended up doing a ride along with a nearby police department. I shadowed patrol officer Mullinex and I absolutely loved it. Tell me about the project and why you chose your job shadow to be law enforcement. It was around March of 2023 when we were informed of this project. Actually, what I was originally going to do was I was going to go to a 911 dispatch center for my county. But they actually turned me away for privacy reasons. So I sent out that email to the police department. And a few weeks later, Lieutenant White of that police department emailed me back. He asked for like my information. So like my name, my date of birth, all that, because they have to do a background check. Oh, yeah. If I was going to be with the police officer. Yeah. I sent them that and I was actually kind of nervous to tell them because I didn't in my original email. I mean, I told him what grade I was in, but I didn't tell him I was 14. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to let me do that just because of my age. But eventually I found out that my request was accepted for May 19th. And that made me really happy. What did make you choose law enforcement then? I've always been interested in law enforcement. I've always been interested in first responders in general because I think they're necessary. And I've always been one to want to help other people. And I think they do just that. And it's their profession. And I I adore that. That was part of the reason. But I also think kind of like you and why you do this podcast, police officers do get a bad rep from the media. So I wanted to see what it was actually like to be with a police officer for what happened to be five hours that day to see what it was really like. Um, Well, I want to continue that thought, but what's really interesting to me, and you, you will have warmed the hearts of many of my listeners who are 911 call takers in dispatch and also very underappreciated. Actually, there are quite a few listeners on my podcast who have done both law enforcement and dispatch. I have to tell you, when I was 14 years old, I didn't know that I wouldn't have known that as an option. So how did you even know about 911 and dispatch as a job option? I think the reason I knew it as an option is I think because of TV shows because oh, yeah. at that time I watched 911. <laughs> so do um, I. <laughs> which, yeah. And so one of their main characters, Maddie, she is a 911 yeah. uh, dispatcher. And so I think that's kind of how I knew about it. And I, and I, it's TV, so it's not real. Right. But I kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say like I got to see what they do, but you know, I got to like hear of it, I guess. I guess that also interested me because I think personally I saw being a 911 dispatcher, I could help people, but have the, I guess, almost the security of being in a building and not Mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. actually confronting dangerous people. I mean, so I think maybe that's why I originally wanted to go to that because I saw it as a safer option, but one that could still help people. Right, right. Well, you know, 911 dispatchers and call takers are definitely our first responders and definitely an important part of that community. So 
Good for you. And, and I'm, uh, we can geek out on 911. <laughs> I know. I like it too. It's, it's, it's popcorn, but it's good. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you very rightly, in my opinion, chose to do a ride along to see what the job is really about. You know, I have said on this podcast before, and maybe you've heard me say this, everybody should have to do a ride along. Yeah, I have heard that. And I've heard officers say, like, you should do ride along. And I, and I agree with that because I honestly, I feel like there's a lot about policing that I don't know. But one of the biggest things I was able to take from my ride along was to see the human side of police officers. And I feel like everyone should be exposed to that. And tell me what you mean by that. Well, I feel like it's not every day that you get to see a police officer. So it's not every day that you get to talk to one, you know, have a conversation with one. And, you know, I try my best. Like if I see a police officer, for example, in marching band, my first game was last Friday and there were two police officers at the game, but they were on the home side. We were away. So they're on the other side of the football field. So when we were able to go get concessions, which was near where they were, I, went out of my way to make sure like to say, Hey, thank you for your service. And I appreciate you. And I, whenever I see a police officer and I I've heard you say, sometimes you get intimidated yeah. and sometimes I do too, but I still, I go up and I'm like, thank you for your service because I think it's important because I know that they appreciate that. And I know they want to hear that. And I, I think a lot of people do feel that way, like supportive, but, it's just not shown on the media. For example, when I was in the car, a police car with Officer Mullinex, I saw the way he laughed. I saw the way he smiled. I feel like you don't you don't get to see that. When you see a police officer, it's usually because maybe you got pulled over or you're calling 911 or, you know, you're in distress. Usually is when you see 911 and you know when you see first responders is usually when you're in distress or specifically for police maybe you did something you weren't supposed to so (laughs) when you're on a ride along you're not in trouble you're not in distress you're just there and you're able to watch how they do things and you don't get to see that when you're not around law enforcement that is very insightful and all good points Let's go back to the beginning for a minute. You emailed the department. You got permission. Mm-hmm. You passed your background check, apparently. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm glad I did. <laughs> and uh, and then when you came to the department that day, had they already told you who your officer would be or did you? Um, yeah. So okay. in one of the many emails that were exchanged, <laughs> I was told who my officer would be. And I was told that his shift was, it's from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., which is first shift for this department. They have three shifts. So I was only able to do a five-hour ride along. So I went in from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. 
But uh, when I first walked into the apartment and immediately on my uh, right was Lieutenant White. But then he <laughs> said, are you Tyler? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, I'm Lieutenant White. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. We shook hands. And he said, that's Patrol Officer Mullinex. That's the officer you'll be doing a ride along with. And I walked over and I shook his hand. Originally, he was going to show me around the department. But then he got a call, so we had to go out and go to the call, which was, I don't know how much I can say, but there was a person who I guess had mental illnesses, and he was, I guess, something, I think that what happened was the TV wasn't working properly, and so it triggered him. Mm. And so it was actually the fire department's call, and the fire department was there, But given the situation, the police department was there in case anything happened. They were already there and they wouldn't have to be dispatched, which, I mean, makes sense. Uh, We didn't end up doing anything other than, like, being there and making sure everything went okay. And the person went to the hospital. Honestly, I didn't know what to expect just because I know policing, everything's very unexpected. It's, you know, anything can happen. But you could say everything that did happen, because, you know, like uh, we pulled someone over and we can get into that later. But everything that did happen was something that I would have expected, could have expected, but I didn't know what to expect, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So when you went to the call with the person in mental crisis, was it scary? No. So I wasn't nervous for that. I I was kind of asking him, like, you know, what was going on. And he kind of told me like what I told you. And so we arrived and I remember I asked him, do you want me to stay in the car or would you like me to go with you? Because, you know, I wanted to make sure I was not doing anything I the officer didn't want me to do. And I remember he looked at me and he goes, well, I don't think you can learn much if you stay in the car. And that, I mean, I just had a big smile. I'm like, okay. So then I got out of the car and I followed him up there. The person was still in the house, but Officer Molinex kind of stayed near me, but also sort of positioned in front of me, like to where the person was. So I never felt danger because I knew he was right there. But I was kind of like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, I wouldn't know. I wasn't nervous. Okay. I just, I've been on ride-alongs, as I said. And typically they do instruct you at the beginning. I, I, like you, will ask, do you want me to stay in the car? Or sometimes they'll say, stay in the car until I go check this out. And then if it's safe or if it's not dangerous, then they'll say, come so, but I liked, I liked his mm-hmm. answer. You're not going to learn much if you sit in the car. <laughs> yeah, and um, that was the only call that I actually got out of the car, car for. I didn't get out of the car for the traffic stop, which makes sense because I've actually heard it multiple times, but traffic stops and I think it's domestic violence calls are like one of the two most dangerous calls for police officers. You've got that right. So, I mean, it makes sense, but yeah, yeah, so I, and that was really the only call that I got out for. Do you remember what he pulled the person over for? Speeding. So, um, <laughs> we were on a, I believe if I remember correctly, it was 58 or nine. I think it was, I think it was 59 is what he said, but then he said he gave her 58, but, uh, it was like 58 and a 35. Mm. And actually, I asked him because I was curious. I was like, 
what's your limit? Like, how much can someone go over the speed limit where you're like, okay, I'm going to pull this person over? And he said most officers will stop at 10 miles an hour over is too much. But for him, he um, stops at 15 because that is considered reckless driving, at least in my state. And he says no one ever really argues with him on that. So, but I was curious. I was like, okay, so what's too much for you? And he said 15. But he did also say most officers stop at 10. Yeah. Good question. Actually, since you say that, I guess uh, Lieutenant White said that Officer Molinek said that I asked better questions than most of the adults that rode with him. And actually, that kind of, I was like, really? I don't, because I, I was nervous, but I don't, I wasn't, I was nervous because I wanted to make a good impression. And I feel like I really didn't ask you as many questions, but I feel like most of the questions I asked were the ones that the school had me ask because we did have to ask certain questions. What were they? I don't remember all of them, but there were two I remember. What do you like least and most about your job? And I remember the responses. The thing Officer Molinite said he liked most about his job was knowing that he could help people through the hurdles in life. And the thing that he liked least about his job was the false narrative that the media puts out mm. against police officers and it encourages citizens to give them a hard time. I think the reason I remember that is because it kind of made me sad. Like, you know, this this man, he wants to do his job because he wants to help people, but he also, he doesn't like that the media is giving him a bad rep just because he's a police officer. And I could totally, you know, that makes sense. And, it, you know, I just, it makes me feel bad for them. Yeah. All police officers. Yeah, me too. I mean, and then sometimes I see the media put out a good story about police officers but then every comment under it is i wish more police officers were like this right and uh and what goes to my mind is you know there are police officers like this it's just not shown as much as it should be because the media finds more value unfortunately in showing what went wrong than in the good stories that you know make people feel good right well, for you to have that perspective at this point in your young life, that's very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. I want to know more about how you got there, how you came to that. Honestly, I don't I don't know. I think I just always kind of felt that way, but I remember my stepdad brought up a, something about police officers and said something about a bad police officer. And my little mind was like, that's literally their job is to not be bad. It's to stop the bad people. So I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) And, but I was also never brought up that all police officers are bad people. So I, I'm able to see like, if there's something I don't agree with, I would say, Hey, maybe that shouldn't have happened. But I also, you know, I'm not a police officer. I don't know police protocols. And I feel like a lot of times you don't see the whole story. So I'll try to get the whole story beforehand. Example, in the department that I shadowed, most of their vehicles are Ford utility interceptors, except for two, which I don't remember what they're called, but they're completely different. They're not even made by the same company. But they're the vehicles that my state's highway patrol uses. So they're completely different. They're not even the same color. I remember I pointed that out to my grandpa and he went, you know why they do that, right? It's to throw you off. And I'm like, 
mm, see, and this was after my shadow. I'm like, see, but I don't feel like they bought two cars just to throw people off. So I'm, I'm going to go ask. So I went in person and I talked to Oscar Mullenix a lot. I'm like, hey, what's up with those two cars? He's explained to me that I guess someone wanted to be arrested. They drove their car into two of the police department's cars and they were arrested. They, I guess someone with that police department had connections to the state's highway patrol and um, they were given two retired police cars for free. And that's why they have those two cars. It wasn't to throw anyone off. So I'm like, okay. So, you know, they're not trying to throw people off. I didn't think they were, but I was curious as to what the actual story behind that was. And I feel like maybe my grandpa saying that they got those cars to throw people off maybe could have been influenced by the media because I don't know of my grandpa ever having a negative experience with a police officer but like I said the media kind of pushes out well they do push out the narrative that uh negative narrative against police officers so I think maybe that's where that could have came from and I was able to get the actual story well good for you thank you that's what that's what everyone should do yeah and I wish more people would yeah yeah well, you are a beacon of hope. Let me just tell you right there. I mean, that is seriously. How many people do that? I I don't know. I don't None. know. <laughs> Very few. Yeah. And, you know, I say all the time. A lot of times, if people would ask why an officer interacted with someone a certain way and wait for the answer, they would understand more. If I, I've said here. They ask why to criticize. They don't ask why to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I could I could see that. If something goes wrong and the officer was in the wrong, I wish people would say, hey, we need look at that officer and say they shouldn't have done that rather than look at policing as a whole and then try to make all police officers bad people. Right. You know, you did say that you now want to be a police officer. Yeah. So tell me about that. There's been a few different things I wanted to be. I wanted to, for when I was younger, I always wanted to be a school bus driver. And I know that's like completely different, but that's because my grandma is a school bus driver. And she's actually my school bus driver. Kind of like I was surrounded by that. So I kind of was like, oh yeah, this is cool. So uh, at the same time, I always was, like I said earlier, interested in first responders in general, because I've always been one that, like, if I can help someone, I'm going to choose to help. You know, that's what first responders do. And like I said earlier, you know, that's their job is to help people. So I've always been interested in that. And I've also been interested in working on the front line. So like, you know, doctors and nurses. But I think I want to be a police officer because... I don't like to stay in one area for a long time. I like to be able to like go like see people. And for example, um, Officer Mullenix, he's a patrol officer, so he's out and he's around the city. And so I think I would like that part of the job. But I also like the fact that I can help people. Like for example, um, Officer Mullenix, he kind of helps me in a way that 
maybe not all officers would get the chance, but, you know, because he talks to me and I talk to him and he just listens and, you know, that helps me when I'm stressed and it makes me feel better. And I'm, I would hope that maybe one day I could be that for someone else. And, you know, that's not necessarily a policing but thing, but also you've said multiple times or more than once that um, sometimes the people that police officers arrested usually on, I think on you said on drug charges will thank the police officer for arresting them because they wouldn't have stopped using if they weren't arrested so and you know you never know like if that person continued to use they could have overdosed and died so if they weren't arrested you know that could have potentially saved them if I were to pull someone over for speeding or just pull someone over and say hey like you're not supposed to be doing that while you're driving you know, that could potentially save them. Maybe they're texting and driving. And if I hadn't pulled them over in 15 minutes, they would have gotten into a wreck. So I feel like there's just like many different things, like many different interactions that police officers can have with the public that, you know, could help or even save someone. And, you know, I just, I want to be that. That's awesome. That's really great. It's so true. I mean, that people don't stop to think they're not stopping me to ruin my day Mm -hmm. they're stopping me to potentially save my life or someone else's yeah yeah one of the things that dawned on me in our email correspondence i am talking to people who are already police officers not people who are considering the profession and you made a really important point in the email you sent me you said i hate that i feel nervous to respond when someone asks me what I want to do for a living, because I have no idea what they are going to say. Fortunately, where I am, I'm in a pretty pro-police area. My family supports police officers for the most part. And um, so I have really yet to get a negative response, but I know it can happen. When someone's like, what do you want to do for a living? I'm like, is this about to get me into an argument? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. want to, you know, I'm not, I don't, want to be confrontational right now. So it does make me nervous when someone does ask, what do you want to do for a living? Yeah. Well, and for all the reasons we've just discussed. Yeah. And I think what's key is that you have the emotional and mental capacity to say, to question someone's statement. Mm-hmm. If they are critical of law enforcement. You, you already have done it. You know, I'm, I'm not so sure that's true. I'm going yeah. to go find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's the best thing you can do. You know, God bless you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, I mean, Officer Molinex, he's a, he's a really great person and he's really important to me right now. It, well, he's important to me in my life. So whenever, when someone says something bad about that department, like specifically, mm-hmm. like when they say something bad about policing, it hurts me, but I don't know, it almost hurts me even more when it's specifically that department. Well, and I think it's great that you've stayed in touch with him. And I do think there are a lot of police officers who mentor young folks. And I think, I think it is kind of part of the job in many ways, you know? Yeah. Uh, How do your folks think? Have you talked to them about being a police officer? What do they think? I haven't really gotten too much like a feedback from like what my family thinks, but I do know my grandma said she wasn't surprised. (laughs) That's great. Are you planning to go to college or? As of right now, I'm planning to get a degree in criminal justice, but 
uh, my grandma said that she actually talked to someone, and I think she said they used to be a police officer, but don't quote me on that. I guess he said not to get a criminal or degree in criminal justice because what he said was everything you learn in the academy is the same thing you learn in college for four years, and I'm not sure how long academy is, but I know it's, um, I think it's less than a year. And honestly, if any police officer out there wants to give me advice, I would be open for that. <laughs> okay. You know, like what I maybe should do, because I'm not 100% sure, because, you know, like I said, I don't know everything about the profession. Well, you, I'm nodding my head vigorously because I have also heard that. In fact, I think one of my previous guests was really glad that he had majored in psychology. My guess would be, you know, it helps you understand human behavior. But of course, that's, that's just one suggestion. You know, I'm not a police officer. <laughs> and I was thinking, now that you say that, I was thinking like if I were to major in criminal justice, maybe I would also like have a minor in uh, psychology or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I was thinking that. So we'll see if we can get you some advice. We have created an email for you that does not reveal your last name or your location, as we have not done in this interview. So the email that you have created for people to contact you about this episode with advice or support. So it's going to be Tyler EP.49 because this is episode 49. So that's Tyler EP for episode.49 at Gmail. And I will put that in the episode notes. And you should also feel free to email me with any thoughts that you want me to share maybe to include on a future follow-up episode to this podcast. And my email will also be in the episode notes, but it's abby at ellsworthproductions.com. So Tyler, did you have any other questions you want to ask of law enforcement? Any officers out there who are listening? Yeah, uh, I am hearing impaired. I wear hearing aids in both my ears. And so I think the biggest thing that makes me nervous is I know, um, or at least I've been told that you have to pass a hearing test and you can wear hearing, uh, from my knowledge, you can wear hearing aids during the test, but it makes me nervous that even with my hearing aids, I may not pass that test. And I don't want to be turned away because of my hearing. And so I guess the question I would ask is how may me needing to wear hearing aids affect the job for me. All right. Okay. We'll see what we can get. Like my hearing loss isn't slight. It's it's not profound, but I think it's under um, mildly severe. Okay. So I can still hear without my hearing aids, but um, everything's kind of dampened. And like, unless you're talking like really loudly, like I really can't understand what you're saying unless you're like right next to me and you're speaking loud, loudly enough. Like every time someone says like it shouldn't be a problem or I know um, a police officer who's hearing aids, like the second part, it makes me feel better. But I'm like, I also have no idea like how hearing impaired is he compared to me? Is he worse than me? Is he better than me? Or is he relatively the same as me? Because he could have way better hearing than me and still need hearing aids. I get anxious a little bit about it. Yeah. I think I asked two or three officers and they said it shouldn't be a problem. I don't know. And it's something we can try to find out together. 
Woody, is there anything you want to say to officers listening today? I would say uh, I know that there's a lot of people out there that voice negative opinions against you, including the media. But there's also a lot of us out here who do support you and know that you're trying to help people and we appreciate you and we support you and you are loved and you are appreciated, even if you don't feel it. As I said, you know, you are a beacon of hope. You're only 14 and you, you, I mean, you are impressive. You really are impressive. All the email corresponding we've done and all your follow-up, you've been very diligent. I can say any agency out there that wants to hire you when you're old enough, you're going to be a great cop. <laughs> Thank you. And my school guidance counselor told me that I would make an amazing officer too. So if you, I'm, you're not the first person that said that, So, but thank you. Tyler, thank you so much for writing to me. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for wanting to be a police officer. Thank you for supporting the profession. Thank you. They need the support. And I want, I want, I'm going to be there to give that to them because they do need it. I know that there are so many officers out there listening right now who are just, whose hearts are so warmed knowing that you're out there. And that's why I want to do this, because I want them to know that I am out there. Okay, well, future Officer Tyler, <laughs> we can't yeah. wait for you to hit the streets. Well, th you know, again, thanks for being here. You did a great job. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Uh, it, it, was, it really was an honor. I was nervous, but I did, and, you know, look where I am now. So, but no, <laughs> I'm really happy that I got to do this. So thank you okay. for letting me be on. Okay, you bet. Thank you. I certainly enjoyed my conversation with Tyler, as you can tell. Again, if you'd like to reach out to him via email, the email we created is tylerep.49 at gmail, or please email me, abby at ellsworthproductions.com. Again, all that's in the episode notes. I thought it would be great to chat briefly with Officer Mullinex to close out this episode. The officer, of course, who Tyler did his ride-along with. Tyler, in his diligent way, connected me with Officer Mullinex. Tyler also got permission from Lieutenant White to have Officer Mullinex speak with me. Officer Mullinex, welcome to my podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to meet you. My pleasure. I have heard so much about you from Tyler. We did a great, we had a great conversation and he explained that he did the ride along as a school project. So he, so as a part of his school project, he had to shadow someone and their profession and he chose law enforcement mm -hmm. and you were his officer. Somebody suggested to him to come to the department I work for. He contacted my lieutenant. Lieutenant asked me if I was okay with taking an eighth grader, which is what he was at the time. <laughs> right. And I said, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I actually enjoy taking people on ride-alongs because I remember before I was a policeman, I loved going on ride-alongs too. Did you? I guess, because uh, it was interesting to me and that's what I wanted to do. So I said I would do it. He showed up that day and we had a good time. Well, how old were you the same age? Did you start doing ride-alongs this young? No, normally we don't let people ride along at this age, but because it was a school project, uh, I think they made an exception. I think they met him first. He seemed a little more mature for his age Very. than an eighth grader. Yeah. Uh, 
So I think uh, that's why they considered it. So I, I started in my late teens when I was really, really interested. What drew you to law enforcement? In high school, when we started to have to look at life close <laughs> to our senior year, they gave us a few tests to show our mm. interests, and law enforcement was at the top. I uh, just thought it was a noble profession, and I, I always liked to help people. That was the main thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it always stuck in the back of my mind, too, that it, it's not a bad living, a good retirement, too. So I planned yeah. ahead also. Yeah. Well, d- did you see yourself in him at all? The interest was there. Yeah. You know, his interest was there. So uh, in that aspect. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's pretty remarkable. I I believe you know that he reached out to me by email and he told me he loves my podcast, and I told him that's all he had to say to get on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but what was just so interesting to me is that someone that young would be listening to it, and he also was he was very emotional about you, about the ride-along, about law enforcement. I mean, this you and this ride-along clearly had a profound impact on him. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine you've, you sense that. I uh, didn't while it was happening. But yeah. Afterwards, uh, I mean, he sent me some emails, and uh, so I didn't realize it until I got that email. To me, he said he, you know, f- first of all, just seeing you as a human, right? You were, he gets very um, passionate about officers are people. Yes, you're right. I don't think a lot of people see us as that. <laughs> they, they, probably take our appearance and our authority over our human side of us. I think that's a lot yeah. of what the controversy is about a lot of yeah. things. Well, he said, you know, he was, it would very much made an impression on him and that he also said that he, he had some questions to ask that the school wanted him to ask. Among those questions were, what do you like least and what do you like most about your job? Mm-hmm. And I believe he said what you like most is helping people. Mm-hmm. And what you like least is the negative narrative in the media. Oh, yeah. It's just amazing how the media, what they say uh, or what they focus on, on the police, just to sell a story. Um, yeah. And it's it's very aggravating. Because all they have to do is say it, and then people believe it. They don't investigate it themselves. They don't say, wait a minute, there's more to this. Uh, they yeah. take a 30-second of a video that's a body camera and say, see what the officer did, but they don't show what led up to that. Uh, so that's right. that's a big aggravation about the job. He expresses the same frustration. I mean, it's my frustration as well. This is why I do this podcast. Mm-hmm. And his ability to wrap his mind around law enforcement to have that passion of a passionate of a feeling of support for you as you personally and you as a profession i think it's pretty remarkable for someone who's 14 right and that's um, that's what took me back is a little bit is just his maturity you know mm-hmm. for his age so and so he did say you went to uh, one call together oh Right off the bat, you had a call. I, it sounded like it might be someone in mental crisis. Yes, we have a few uh, group homes 
in our city mm. where uh, individuals that have challenges live. Workers come in in shifts and stay with them to help them live their daily lives. And this isn't the first time we dealt with this this young man. He was having a rough time that day. He has a tendency to like the firemen a little more than the policemen. So uh, when the firemen were there, I said, uh, why don't you guys talk to him and we'll stand away because he gets along better with you guys. They handled it. I mean, he was he was fine after they got him to go to the hospital. So, And what was Tyler's reaction to that incident? He didn't comment too much about it, but I think it was probably a little culture shock to him because uh, mm. people don't see that stuff. Normal everyday people don't don't see that. Mm-hmm like officers and, and paramedics and firemen do. So, mm-hmm. um, but he did comment afterwards. <laughs> that was interesting. So, well, he said that he asked, which I also do, of course, when I go on a ride along is I ask the officer, do you, you want me to wait here or come with you? And mm-hmm. I guess he asked you the same and you said, well, you're not going to learn much if you stay in the car. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's a big thing. A ride alongs is I, I know it's, What's the use in riding around if you're going to sit in the car and you don't get to witness or see anything? So yeah. I said, come on. And I made sure he was safe. There was a point right. where I stood between him and the guy walking out the door. You know, I, I had his safety in, in mind. So I told him he asks great questions. So I guess one of the questions, I guess you did a traffic stop. One of the questions he asked you is, what is your what is your threshold for pulling someone over? And I guess you said 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, it's quite, it's kind of a lot, but there's some method to my madness. I guess you could say you can pull anybody over for 10. That, that's going to happen quite often. But if 15 not really something you can argue too much, you know, you're, you're yeah. going quite fast and I don't always give tickets. I don't like giving tickets anymore and like giving people like getting them. So I evaluate the person, the situation, their past record and see if maybe they're deserving or need one. And then I'll determine whether I give them a citation, but yeah, 15 may seem a lot, but I think it's pretty fair if you get a ticket for 15 over. It's hard to argue. Exactly. He said that you told Lieutenant White that Tyler asked better questions than most adults. He did. Yes, that's true. And I, again, that goes along with his maturity. So yeah, uh, he's a good young man. I could tell. Yeah. He had the wisdom, the insight to say that the, he felt the importance of being on a ride along is that you get to see the officer as a human, as a person, but you're, he said most people don't get to interact with the police unless they're calling 911 and they're having a crisis or one of the worst days of their lives or they've done something wrong. And so he had the insight to say this was an opportunity just to see an officer at work, not to be the one calling 911 or the one being contacted. Absolutely. So unless you experience it, I, I don't think you really have a grasp of what's going on. Right. He's very good at not buying into what other people say about police. So, for example, his grandfather said something about you guys have two cars that are uh, from the state troopers. And his grandfather told Tyler he they, the police department does that to throw people off. <laughs> Do you remember this? Uh, yeah, I just explained to him that 
somebody, I don't, I don't know what state of mind they were in. They drove into our parking lot and hit two of our police cruisers and totaled them mm-hmm. because he wanted to go to jail. I think he was, I think he was homeless. I think he just had um, his car. He wanted a place to stay and he wanted food. As everything else that's difficult to get, we had difficulty getting new cruisers also. Our law director called the governor's office and they sent us two used state patrol cars which are different colors. And mm-hmm. that's how we got those. But the fact that Tyler said to his grandfather, no, I don't think that's the case. I'm going to go find out the answer. And that's great. And I think more people need to do that. Do you think, I mean, I know he's only 14, but do you think that he has what it takes to be a police officer? I, I think if he focuses on it now and as he matures, I'm sure he could have the personality to, to do well. He does have a uh, hearing impediment. Right. But uh, it wasn't anything that I think that could hold him back from doing his job. He did ask that. We did go into detail about his hearing aids, and he's concerned about whether or not that would stop him from being able to be a police officer. I don't think that that can stop him. I think if, uh, and he can hear radio traffic and hear things that are going on around him, I don't see how that could stop him from being a police officer. How many years on do you have? With this department I'm with now, uh, I've been here 25 years. I had a previous department I was on for two, and then I was a uh, volunteer officer for three at a different uh, department before that. So I've been a certified police officer for 30 years. Wow. But 25 at the department I'm at now. So I guess you've seen things change. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, and it's the exact same things that we've talked about. He also, which is... Interesting to me because I am interviewing people who have officers who've been on anywhere between 15 to 30 years. And so I have not interviewed someone who is yet to apply. He said he gets nervous sometimes when he tells people, when people ask him what he wants to do for a career, he's afraid to say law enforcement because of the reaction he mm-hmm. may get. Well, I think uh, maybe I'll talk to him about that. Because I, I don't want him to be afraid to say that. He just needs to know how to follow up with that from their reaction. Uh, if it's negative, put them on the spot and say, well, why do you think that? And mm-hmm. then when they say something they heard from the media, you say that's not true. Yeah. The problem is, is that you believe that. That's, that's, yeah. The problem isn't that they're like that. It's that you believe that. And, and you need to investigate that for yourself. Maybe go do a ride-along at your local department, and you'll see that it's not that way. Well, it takes me a whole podcast to answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's hard to answer that in the moment. It is. It is. But if you can expect it, expect the reaction, and you're ready for it, I think, uh, and he won't be afraid to say. Well, he also... Warms my heart because, like me, he when he sees officers out and about, he will go up and thank them for being a police officer. Yeah, I do. I get that a lot. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I do get that a lot. People telling me there's no way I could do what you do. What have the rewards been for you? Rewards are uh, when you actually do get to help somebody and you see the fruits of your labor. So, a lot of times that's difficult because... You know, you get into this job to help people, but a lot of times people won't let you help them. If they don't let you, then it's really almost impossible to help them. But I've had a couple, like I give an example, I'll I'll never forget this guy. He was, uh, had a drug problem, 
stealing from his parents, stealing jewelry, selling it for his, to support his habit. So his parents reported this, the jewelry stolen. I took the report and I went up to talk to him at his home and he denied it and as they do. And uh, I said, look, I said, off the record, a man to man, you got to go get some help because you're stealing from your parents. And uh, he did. He did that day. Wow. And um, I didn't see him for a while. And he came up to me after he did see me, thanked me, said, I got my life together. I appreciate it. He got his, I think he had his own business doing some construction, clean for a long time. And I've seen him since, and he's still clean. And uh, it's things like that. That's are the great. Rewards. That's the rewards. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyler had heard this, I guess, on my podcast and commented on it, too, that others, officers have also told me that sometimes the people they have arrested are the ones that come back and thank them. Yes. Um, at the moment, they're not thankful. <laughs> but yes, they do right. find you. They, they will find you and say, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Well, and he was he was aware of that. He also was aware when he referenced the traffic stop that you know, he didn't get out of the car, obviously. And he said he knew that traffic stops and domestic violence calls are two of the most dangerous calls an officer can go to. So he already has this knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where that maturity comes in from him. What did you think when you walked in, you saw this young kid who was about to be your ride along for the day? <laughs> I thought, okay, well, we're going to have some fun and he's going to learn some things. And we did. We did. Like I said, I didn't want him to sit in the car. I wanted him to experience things. So I think by the end of the day, yeah, he was very thankful. Yeah. And did it must have become clear to you as the day went on that he really is impressive young man. He was. When I hear eighth grade, I think junior high, and I'm like, uh-oh. But uh, he was more mature than that, sophomore, junior in high school kind of attitude that uh, he had with him. So. But he was easy to talk to because of that, too. So, so could what's the age limit? Could he apply at 18? Uh, 21 in our state to be a police officer. Okay. He, he remarked on how much he enjoyed watching you smile. It really touched him. Oh, that I wasn't aware of. Uh, but yeah. that's good. After all this time, I still enjoy coming to work. So that helps. They say if you do yeah. something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's right. I feel like that. So. Well, then you must have been the right person for him to have his first ride along. I, I, I think so. <laughs> I know he's kind of views you as a mentor for life, but also for the profession. He asked me to keep in contact with him, and that's heartwarming. I want him to do well. And if he becomes a police officer someday, I'd like to be there to see him get sworn in. So That'd be cool. That would be. For you to see him one day graduate the academy and join a department that would be awesome yeah it would that's the uh that's the goal so if he works towards it i'm sure he can do that well thank you officer mullinex for joining me for this little add-on to tyler's story well, it was my pleasure thank you for being a guide for tyler well it's my pleasure um i had no idea that that road would take me all the way to a podcast, but uh, <laughs> but I, I'm glad I was introduced to your podcast. I've really enjoyed listening to your interviews. It, it's oh, thank been you. really neat. I think it's wonderful what, what you're doing on your podcast for police, but thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a police officer. Well, thank you. I en- I've enjoyed every minute of it. So. Good. Again, my thanks to Tyler, Officer Molinex, and Lieutenant White. 
And thanks to all of you, as always, for listening.